slightly square of face to get that extra five or six yards out of it and it's a gem it's a gem oh can you believe it what a response after that double drop on the last Ricky Fowler, a winner in Abu Dhabi this past weekend, thanks in large part to that eagle holeout during the final round. Don't forget to log on to GolfChannel.com to see where that shot landed in our list of top five European tour shots from the week. Welcome in to another edition of Monday Scramble. I am Will Gray, joined by GolfChannel.com senior writers Randall Mel and Ryan Lavner. Gentlemen, welcome. Glad to have you. And Ricky Fowler, back in the winner's circle. What do we think, Lab? This is his fourth win since May. He keeps winning against elite fields and in elite fashion, and now he's up to world number four. I mean, the hole out on the eighth hole, the chip in on the 71st hole of the tournament, this guy just seems to have a real sense for the moment, the ability to close out when the, really, when the pressure's at its most intense. I was really, really blown away here. Four of the top six in, in, the, in the world were in the field here. He gets another W. Yeah, creating so much excitement that people can't see, but Ryan is wearing Ricky's tight shoes right <laughs> I'm not wearing the joggers. Them. I refuse to wear the joggers. But you think the high tops will take off? I do think the high tops will take off. I really do. Maybe not Maybe not Ricky style with the with the strap-on part, but I think Brooks Koepka certainly could. I did enjoy, I particularly enjoyed the European comment, commenters when they described Fowler's outfit this week as elasticated trousers with high-top trainer shoes. I thought, let's put that on a billboard and, and put orange Puma around it and see if, how many of those. I don't sell. think it's going to make it to the PGA Champions, though. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I can't see I don't, I don't, I don't think the flat bill is either. No. But Fowler, up to, up to world number four now, do you think that he was kind of feeling slighted coming into this week? It was all Jordan and Rory, world number one, world number three. And, oh, by the way, Ricky Fowler is going to round out this threesome to start the week. And he, he got off to a slow start, kind of kept himself in contention. Then after those fog delays in that third round, shot a 65, really got himself into, into contention, took the lead after 54 holes. And then he, he managed to close the deal. But do you feel like he was kind of... I had a little extra motivation like we saw at TPC Sawgrass when the overrated stuff came out that now he was playing third wheel to Jordan and Rory this yeah, week. I was going to say we know how he responds when he feels slighted mm -hmm. so maybe he should figure out how to he can be insulted more. Maybe he <laughs> should get his people around him to hurl more insults at him. I think probably more motivated though uh, just listening to him when I was at the Deutsche Bank at the end of the year you know when you listen to him he was motivated to join those guys Rory and Jason in the conversation there and Jordan obviously um, but but I think um, it wasn't so much a slate at the time I think he felt like he didn't deserve to be there and he, he has said he needs to win the major to get there but I think he's more motivated than slighted to get in that company this entire week though was this is going to be the first of many battles between yes. Rory and Jordan and then Ricky Fowler uh, hello, I'm just, don't mind me, I'm going to win my fourth tournament since last May. I mean, this was, I think this was a big statement victory for him that maybe, whether you want to throw him in this big three, big four, it doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is he has the fourth most wins yeah. since February this, of, of last year. What, what I like about it is that we've seen both um, Jason and um, Ricky now become more comfortable where they didn't appear to be comfortable. We, we saw them 
basically choke under pressure, but it's a learning progress. We saw Jason Day throw away some chances at major championships, and you know, if he would have not wanted to be Jay, he would have had the three. They were, they were underachievers their entire career, right? Until yeah. the past. I still, weeks. I still say that the, the overrated stuff that came out about Fowler at the at TBC Sawgrass was totally on. Correct. Yes, absolutely. At that point yep. in his career, he was overrated. Well, he, he was no longer was just overrated. the kick in the pants that he might have needed to take his game to the next level. Obviously, the swing changes with Butch Harmon right. are going to help, but having that little bit of a motivation or edge helped him in this, in this regard. What stood out before that, the Players' Championship, what stood out in your mind? To me, it was his two showdowns with, with Tiger. <laughs> no, it was, competitively, it was his two showdowns <laughs> with Tiger. It was, it was being with Tiger at the Memorial and, and all the hype about that, and he shoots 84 alongside Tiger. Then it's being what about alongside the Quail Tiger. Hollow yeah, the Quail Hollow victory that, that, that over Rory. Stick out in your mind when, when he, he stuffs a wedge in overtime. In no, Come on, Randy. But the last, really, the last two times, that was a long time ago. The last two times we saw him was also with Tiger at the Arnold Palmer Invitational when he's he's showing down uh, with Tiger at the 16th, and he hits two balls in the water. Tell me those. He has, he has, he has wilted in the big moment, I think, is, is the right. point you're trying and, to make and there. And yeah. I think that fed into the overrated thing. But no one right now is slamming the door as emphatically as Ricky Fowler. If you go back to that big statement he made at the Players' Championship with that finish, beating Kuchar with another stuffed wedge in Scotland, he had a showdown with Stenson at TPC Boston, Randy, when you were there, and he just outraced a, a red-hot Henrik Stenson. He, when he's winning, he is, he is the winner. He's going and getting these events by the throat and taking them. He's not backing into trophies. Yeah, that's what stands out about is how comfortable he's now getting in a place that's very difficult to get comfortable. That is the back nine on Sunday because we the players... How much more comfortable can you get under pressure? He was eight under the final ten holes, and then birdied three of the last four at the Scottish. And then, you know, it's just he's he's getting so comfortable, and I think that bodes well uh, to see him in duels and hunts with Jordan and Jason and Rory, and to keep seeing them. And it bodes well for his run at a major. If the tour had a statistic for like clutchness, Ricky Fowler stroke would rank clutch. Yeah, stroke train clutch. That he would rank very high up there. It's just something about him. He doesn't seem phased by the moment. He doesn't get rattled. He knows he can pull off the shots, and then he executes. I think that's a that's a learned skill, perhaps, but it's something that Jason Day has learned how to close the door, especially in yep. Canada last year. Jordan certainly has that skill. Rory has that skill to kind of distance himself from the field. So that's really the defining characteristic of this next generation of stars is that they're not phased by the big moment, and they know how to slam the door. Uh, at, the, at the Deutsche Bank Championship, I talked to Davis Love about Ricky before Ricky won it, and he said that he thought that Ricky is, you know, an adrenaline junkie, and it goes with the motocross thing, and uh, that he, he, he needs sort of uh, that kind of thrilling situations to get his attention. Because he said when, when Ricky's bored, like early in the rounds, and we kind of saw that this weekend, he did not look good in the first round yeah. against Rory and Jordan. Uh, he looked like the, the weak third in that group. But um, Davis' uh, opinion was that he's an adrenaline junkie and he does thrive in those situations. kind of like Phil in that regard, yeah. then. It sounds, sounds very much like Phil, just Ricky's a better <laughs> Ricky's closer. Ricky's playing yeah. a little better right now. And the other thing that I think about Ricky, though, is uh, he had not really been in these situations enough. And that's what his caddy, Joe Scavron, told me at Deutsche Bank after he won it. He goes, you know, he does enjoy those situations, but it is a learning curve. And he really, if you look at it, he had not put himself in that situation yeah. enough to be comfortable. But now that he has, he is getting comfortable. Do you think, real quick, if you're rating strokes gain clutch, do you put Fowler ahead of Spieth right now? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say Spieth still holds the edge because he's done it in bigger tournaments. 
Right. It's almost like you'd have to give more weight to the majors. If right. whatever meter you were using, right. you'd have to give more we're weight to the We're making things up on the flyer, so we can, we can do our roles <laughs> as we want. Uh, I have to express a pet peeve, and we can discuss this. The, the whole big three, big four, big I'm, I'm 11. Glad, I'm glad we're going to get into this. this the, I'm so over this. This is Fowler's win shows what goes wrong when you try and box things in to the big three. Guess what? There's a lot of really good players out there. There's a lot of guys that can win tournaments, a lot of guys that can win majors, and you can't talk about all of them every single week. But you try and create this upper-level stratosphere with Jason Day and Rory and Jordan Spieth. And now, well, maybe we need to put him in as, as making a big four. And what if Bubba Watson wins the Masters? Now it's a big four. And we're going to get to a big 17 by the time the Olympics roll around. I just, we need to stop doing it. It's hard because golf is, is an individual sport. The players don't always line up their schedules where you get all the players playing every single week. But we can't keep trying to pigeonhole things like yeah, this. I have, a, I have a confession to make. I was one who said Ricky needed a major. That's it. That's the only way he's going to get into this exclusive club of the big three. He does not belong until he wins a major. Now, who cares? This is this is an imaginary club that we created. It's there's no perks for for being in the big three. It's not like you start a major championship with a three-stroke lead. It's just something that we made up in our minds. The fact of the matter is, is Ricky one of the four best players in golf right now? Yes, absolutely. If Dustin Johnson wins Tory Pines and then he knocks off a couple other, perhaps Doral again. Is he now going to be part of this big five? The fact of the matter is, Ricky is one of the top four players in the world, and that's good enough for me, regardless of this big delineation. Yeah, whatever you call them, clearly these young guys, these four young guys are separating themselves, though. So, you know, big four or whatever, they're, they're, they're separating themselves with the number of times they've won and on the big stages that they're winning. I still think... If you try and use big whatever insert your number, it's Bad all four. it's always going to pine back to Jack, Arnie, and Gary, and that's an impossible standard for anyone in this contemporary game. And I just wish that we could just say, listen, there's a lot of good players, let them play. Sometimes Ricky's going to win, sometimes Jordan's going to win, Rory's going to get his, and see how it plays out. Yeah, Fab Four. What, what, what do you <laughs> yeah. got for us? I don't want to call it anything. Yeah, just it's stop. Just they're trying. really, really good. Right, exactly. Right. Because that's what, again, that's what happened this week. We tried to put them all in a box. We said it's Jordan versus Rory, and then Ricky Fowler somehow is slighted, even though he came in as the sixth best player in the world and fourth best in the field, and it comes out as a surprise victory because he wasn't in, as Lav said, he wasn't in the imaginary club on Wednesday. Now he's there on Monday. Maybe he'll be there on Thursday. Who knows? Right. It just doesn't make any sense to me. There's a lot of really good players. They're all going to win their fair share of titles, and oh yeah, there's another wave of guys, Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka, so on and so forth. They're going to get theirs too. Just let it go. Does it, do you think it will transfer for Ricky, that it will transfer into the majors? He had all the, the great run of majors two years ago where he was. It's, it's, the it's, only it's so step. hard to win. Only I mean, left. there are so many deserving players that you think, well, this guy is good enough to win a major. He should win a major. Ricky is certainly in that category. But you only get four cracks at the apple a year. And he could be deserving of a Sergio has been deserving of a major for 15 years, and he's still waiting. Yeah, like It but, certainly seems like Ricky is ready. 2014, he top five in all four majors. Last year, he actually started to win some tournaments for the first time in a couple of years. It seems like he's ready, but like you said, Will, he's got six top 15 finishes now in his last 11 Grand Slam events. That doesn't mean he's going to win one this year. It just means he's putting himself in position right. to win them. And I think the fact that he's gotten comfortable on big stages against really top-notch caliber competition that... You know, yeah. Seems like his time is coming, yes. Doesn't mean it's going to. If we're thinking uh, in terms of Fowler, which major do you feel like sets up best for his game overall in the next five years, let's say? 
well, if his putter gets hot, I mean, I like him in, in all four. I think, I think the Open Championship, just because his arsenal of shots is deeper than a lot of other players. If it gets windy, if it gets rainy, he's really not going to be phased by that kind of environment. So I would go with the Open, just because there aren't as many players who have that skill set. Yeah, good field player who can move the ball, hit different trajectories. Yeah. I might lean a little towards PGA, but I see what you're saying. Just, I, I just think just what, because what the practice round he's got there, he has one practice round of ball to draw. No, I just think he, I think he fares better in tournaments where the winning score is 15 under or or lower, shootouts. and he can win shootouts. He he has a better shot of shooting a 65 on a PGA course than shooting a 70 on a U.S. Open course. Even though I know he did it at, at Pinehurst, but I just think that that one he has he has a better chance for. Yeah, he seems less of a grinded out guy, right. and more of a I'm going to step on your throat now and go as deep as I can. Um, all right, so other guys, now that we have the also-rans besides Ricky Fowler, Rory McIlroy, T3, Jordan Spieth, T5, and Abu Dhabi. Pretty solid start. What did you have any takeaways from either of those, both of them? What do you think? Rory at times looked like it was mid-season form. I mean, he was hitting his driver really nicely. He, he led the, the field in greens and regulation. I just think it was a couple putts here or there. He wasn't completely sharp on the greens, but this is nothing new for what he does in Abu Dhabi. I think it's seven top five finishes now. Yeah, at least he's not with second. With no wins in the desert. But, Randy, do you have a takeaway from, from what you like there yeah, from just Rory? Just watching that first round with Rory, that was impressive. How He was driving at 25 30 yards past Jordan Spieth every time. It had to have had an impact and effect on Jordan to see that. And it just shows you when Rory is driving the ball at his best, it's, man, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat him. And uh, but, but what stood out also was uh, his, you know, it is the first event, his lack of feel on the greens, but there's, I, I'm making probably too much of that. But that was around, his ball striking was phenomenal. You would have thought he would have shot a 64. Nothing that happened last week made me change my opinion that this is going to be a huge year yeah. for Rory. I think that's safe to say that. I agree. I would agree with that. Uh, are we at all concerned, Spieth, coming off that T5 finish, he talked, and Rex Hoggart had a good article on this at, at GolfChannel.com, that he's tired and he's mentally worn down. It is yeah, January, January 25th. We have the globetrotting world number one who is embracing his status at the top of the game. He's playing in Abu Dhabi last week. He's now going to Singapore this week before coming back over to the U.S. to start his West Coast swing at Pebble and then Riviera as well. If he's gassed right now, what's he going to look like in June? Is yeah, this, like is it's, it? it's hard to blame him for cashing in on what was one of the best six or seven seasons we've ever seen in golf. But, yeah, you're right, Well. He's gassed in January. There's not a whole lot of downtime here. He's Justin gonna... Rose hasn't hit a competitive shot yet, right. and Jordan Spieth is tired. Yeah, Spieth is playing Singapore, and then it's not like he's going to relax at home for a month. He's going to go play Pebble, and he's going to play Riviera, and he's going to play Doral. He's, he's, he's going to play the title defense He's probably yep. going to play the match play because it's in Austin. He's probably going to play Houston because he likes to play the week before the major. And then it's Augusta. It just snowballs from there, and it's already going to be a busy summer. So, yeah, I am concerned. I think it's safe to say he's not going to be taking – five trips overseas in a three-month span anymore. Uh, it, it's, it isn't just that he's so busy. It's also the way his life has changed and that he is the focus when he walks. The moment he walks onto a property for a tournament, he's the focus, and the demands are different. The expectations are different. I think those are exhausting, mentally exhausting, too, because he talked about being mentally exhausted. I, you know, that's why Tiger Woods didn't play 28 times a year, yeah, too. Yeah, he's I mean, certainly learning his lesson now. At age 22. Yeah, if you look back at what Tiger did in that position as world number one, as the alpha dog in the game, he had a set schedule, everyone knew his schedule, and he did not deviate. 
these are the tournaments I'm going to play, these are the weeks off I'm going to take. And you're right, Spieth is learning the lesson the hard way, it seems, right now. And you would, the, the reaction to this is, oh, well, let's look at his schedule. Maybe he can take a week off here or there. But you're right, Lav, if you look at, at the upcoming two or three months, there's no hole that you can say, well, he can skip this one, he can skip that one. And then if you do start skipping events, then you're not fresh for, or excuse me, then you're not informed yeah. for when you actually do return right. to the schedule and you want to peak at those events. Rory's gone through this, too, over the past couple of years. I remember he played in, like, that one-on-one -on -one showdown with, with Tiger, and he talked about kind of scaling back his schedule because he wanted to be fresher for some of the big events. Who do you think, though, is better equipped to handle this kind of fame and the spotlight and the international travel? A guy like Rory, who seems to enjoy the fame more, or a guy like Spieth, who is a little bit more guarded and he seems to be more grounded in his in his personal life? That, that's a great question because to me, they're you know their mental strength and uh, are both you know formidable in different ways and i just like being around them i like how open they are i like how they're two of the best interviews in golf and they'll give you honest opinions um who's built more for it i think they both handle it in their own ways i don't know i'm prepared to say it i think i think rory has been there longer now and when he talked about how uh what jordan was going to face after winning two majors he knew what he was talking about and, and and we will see now how jordan we'll get to see how jordan handles it this year rory's 26 now but at the end of last year i remember at the fries.com he talked about how many airline miles he logged and how tired he was and he really you know at age 26 needs to start dialing his dialing it back because his body doesn't quite handle that jordan's been ahead of the curve basically his entire life and yeah. for him to figure out how to start managing some international travel at the age of 22 I think is going to bode well for his future. I want them to stay fresh. I want both of them to stay fresh. I want because, them to stay young forever. Right? Yes. Well, the reason is that it's like there's uh, with, with Jordan it's so much fun to watch him play. It's like uh, um, there's this um, gravitating thing to him where he, he makes you feel close to the action the way he talks to his golf ball. There's a the, it, it's fun. It isn't like you're watching him. It's like you're walking with him. Now, if a guy gets fried, you know, it isn't going to be as much fun to watch him. You're going to see the irritation in his game. And, and right now, I like, and Rory's really the same way. Rory's is fun to watch, and um, you feel, you know, it, it, it's like you're walking with him. Yeah. Jordan did yeah. look frustrated in Abu Dhabi. His mm -hmm. putter was at times uncooperative. And he still had a top five finish. He pair of weekend 68 still got him top five. That shows just how good and really the, the character of the kid to be able to battle back like that. I still give a little bit of the edge, going back to your original question to Rory, just because, Randy, as you said, he's been in the spotlight a little longer. It's hard to believe that it's been five years since he won that U.S. Open at Congressional. It does not feel like it's been five years since he's been in that echelon as a major champion. And he's done it having to handle some of the issues Jordan hasn't. The controversy over equipment, the controversy leaving his agent, the controversy with the girl. He's gone through a lot more of that that Jordan hasn't faced yet. And Jordan's a great kid, but you know something will come along that he's going to have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, so no rest for the weary in terms of Ricky Fowler flying right from Abu Dhabi over to the Farmers Insurance Open. Lav, I know you're going to be heading out uh, bright and early tomorrow morning 5 to, to San Diego. Thank you, TSA PreCheck. There you go, <laughs> covering uh, the Farmers Insurance Open for us. So in, in addition to Ricky Fowler, we have Jason Day, world number two, as defending champion. Maybe we need to talk Jason versus Ricky and, and spice up yeah, that. Who was really <laughs> in the big three. Um, yeah. But, we, you know, J Justin Rose is making his 2016 debut. Dustin, Dustin Johnson's Johnson also in the field. There. Hideki's going to be teeing it up. Uh, so what are your thoughts as you're heading out west to cover this event? I really do think that this is a big statement 
week for Jason Day. You've already seen Jordan pick off a win. You saw Ricky get the W now in Abu Dhabi. Even Rory seemed to, as I said, show glimpses of that midseason form. Jason Day looked pretty rusty when he played at Kapalua. He still got a top 10 finish, but that was based largely on a, on a final round. I think he needs to, to play well, contend, get himself going a little bit in 2016. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and just to add to it, this was kind of fun because it used to be the season didn't feel like it began till Tiger teed it up the first time. And, and it pretty much was Tory, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And now, look, I think that one thing that the PGA Tour schedule lacked was that big bang opening. There wasn't like an opening day like Major League Baseball. But uh, watching Hyundai, it, it felt like a big bang opening with Jordan winning that. And we're talking golf already at Abu Dhabi. There's two big events before we even get to Tory, before three big events now, before Tiger even, uh, we don't even know when he's going to tee it up. Yeah, it actually feels like we've seen important golf and golf that, that matters. And that usually wasn't the case until either Tiger returned or probably Doral, the WGC event. Well, that right. used to Everyone be, was yeah. congregated for the first time. Yeah, we will see. It could be the season might not start until maybe about August if we're waiting for Tiger to tee it up. But uh, Jason Day, the, the issue with Jason Day is he, he teed it up at Hyundai for the first time since the President's Cup. His wife had a kid. He's had some family time. He didn't play some of the, the off-season events, quote-unquote, that, that he usually does, Shark Shootout and Tiger's event and so forth. Uh, so the rust was certainly there. Another guy who teed it up for the first time in forever last week who had no rust is uh, Phil Mickelson, 45 years young. Coming in with a T3, best finish since June at the FedEx St. Jude Classic. Who could forget? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, so Lefty actually showing some consistency. His first round or first tournaments with Andrew Getson after ditching Butch Harmon. Uh, is, there, is there reason to be optimistic about Phil heading into 16? I was actually really encouraged just based on the fact of how he had performed previously. He was, he was a little bit better at the President's Cup, but in stroke play events really last fall, it wasn't, it wasn't good at all, and that kind of necessitated the change. But I think the career builder challenge and the T3 finish there also showed how much further Phil has to go and how, how hard it is going to be for him to win. Look, he, he was pretty close to perfect. I mean, he was second strokes gained T to green. He chipped in four times, or he, or he holed out he four times. He holed out times. one wedge from 100 yards. Then. That was a yeah. career best for Phil, and he still couldn't win what was a C-level event. So I think there's still room for growth there, but once you start getting all those great players, it's going to be really, really hard to win. He needs to be perfect, and that's a lot to ask for a 45-year-old. Yeah, his confidence is high, though. That's been, but when isn't it? Who is it's always more high at the beginning yeah. of the season. He can be in the middle of a slump, and nobody has more confidence than Phil. But uh, but now we're seeing a little bit of the, the numbers matching it, so... It's the, the one pause for concern that I have with Phil, even after it was, it was a, a good week and admittedly a better week than I expected from him Absolutely. this week. But every post-round interview, the talk was so technical. He's talking about his swing plane. He's talking about trying to get the driver grooved and getting things back on track. and swinging, Face awareness. Face awareness, face divot awareness. patterns, waist high to waist high. It's like he took a calculus class in December and he's still knee deep in the books. This is Phil Mickelson, the ultimate touch player, the guy that can just go out there and kind of like Bubba where he sees the shots in his, in his head and makes them happen. And now he is really into the, the micro aspects of the swing of the game. There were certainly some shades of Tiger there, wasn't there? The, the glute activation, <laughs> the release patterns. Patterns. No release patterns. He talked about divot entry yeah. points. I mean, it was it was a little bit strange, but I think he was also explaining for people what exactly he had gone through because to the to the naked eye, his swing doesn't look all that different now 
under Andrew Andrew Getson, but apparently it is. It's, I, well, I, I read somewhere about, that Phil felt like he was trying to swing like Jim Furyk. Like that's how off his plane was. Well, and he also talked about how he thought the the path, the plane is 12 inches different. Well, if you saw Brando analyze it, it's not. It's maybe maybe a couple inches, but right. for Phil, it feels like it's that much difference. And it almost seems like he's talking to himself a little bit, isn't it? He's, yeah, he's no, he's trying, like, he's trying to convince himself, yeah. yeah. And like you said, that it, he needs to see perhaps that the swings are drastically different to rationalize the change, to rationalize the fact that he's, he's gone through a couple years of substandard results and to give himself reason to think that this year is going to be different. Uh, yes or no, real quick, does Phil win a PGA Tour event in 2016? I think yes, but it would be like a, a Memphis or a Wells Fargo type tournament. I don't think he's going to win a well, as you said, uh, he's not going to get the, the field's only going to get stronger from this week on in terms of the events he's going to plan. And he, as you said, he played pretty well. In yeah, the, I still think there's some room short. for sharpening his game, but like I said, he's got to be perfect. And the big concern is the putter. Yeah, Phil, I, I think he can still win. I, I don't see him winning a major. I think that window's closed. Uh, and I don't think he's the top ten in a Ryder Cup. You probably have to rely on a captain's pick. But yeah, and I still think on a given week, he, it all comes together. There's still you way you too think, much talent there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think Phil can ever win a major? He's going to be contending at Augusta until he's 54 if he wants to. You tell me there's not one more roar coming down the back when he's holding away from 100 yards? I, I won't be shocked, but I'm, the odds are, if you're asking me if okay. he's going to, I'd say no, probably not. Uh, because, again, he could catch lightning in the bottle. Phil is he's unpredictable. Last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yes, he can, but I think there's a reason that uh, Hale Irwin's the oldest uh, winner of a U.S. Open at 45, and, you know. I certainly, it just doesn't get easier to make putts once true. you get in your late 40s. I, I don't think he's ever going to win at U.S. Open, but I could see him making one more run at a, at a green jacket. A run at a, at a green jacket or winning a green jacket? Uh, I, think, I think he's got a again, couple runs to, left in it him. It goes yeah. back to Randy's question. If you ask me right now, yes or no, will he win a major, I would say no. But it wouldn't surprise me, and I do think that he will be in contention coming down the back nine on Sunday where he, we're going to sit there and say Phil has a legitimate shot at a fourth green jacket. I think that will happen. Yeah, part of Phil's appeal is that he's so unpredictable. Everything, Every performance is so unexpected. I think that's really the, the allure of Phil Mickelson. It wouldn't surprise me at all, like you said, yeah. if, he, if he can do it one more time. So Phil came up just short in Palm Springs, but the guy that left with the trophy after a couple holes of overtime is Jason Duffner. First win since the 2013 PGA Championship. He's gone through some struggles on the course, off the course, but now he's back in the winner's circle. I looked this up this morning. It's hard to believe he got to eighth in the world when he won at Oak Hill, and he started this year ranked 135th. That's a big fall. Now he's back up to 60 after winning the Career Builder Challenge. What are your thoughts on what this might mean for Duffner moving forward in 2016? Okay, it was a rough few years. He really, really struggled with the putter. He had the neck injury where he thought that was possibly going to be career-ending. Yeah. Obviously, he had the, the messy divorce that kind of played out publicly, and he didn't really speak to the press for the rest of 2015. But he said he needed to believe that he was a great player again. It just shows how fragile some of these guys' psyches can be, even if you are a major champion. I think this was a huge turning point for Jason Duffner. I think he's actually going to be on that U.S. Ryder Cup team this year. Really? Yeah. I do not. Yeah. I do not. Yeah, the heart's such a great X factor. You, I mean, you can look at somebody's swing, but you can't know what's going on in, in their heart, what they're feeling, and uh, in their head. And I think those were huge factors with him. And he talked about it, just uh, getting those right again. So... I need to go back to this. you think Duffner's going to make the Ryder Cup team? you think he's making on yeah. points? I do think he's going to make it on points, and, and here's the reason why. There's a lot of really good players for the American He American's said something right very now. interesting to PJTour.com last year. He said that he's going to play a ton this year. Why is he going to play a ton? One, he's healthy. Two, 
he actually feels like he can contend again. And three, and this is the most revealing part, he said, I don't have anything else to do. That's, there that is, is no reason why I can't play 28 or 29 times this year because what am I, I don't, I don't have a wife anymore. I don't have any kids. This is my, these are my friends. This is my brotherhood on the PGA Tour. I'm going to play as much as I can because I have nothing else to do. My swing doesn't really change week to week. I think he's going to make it on points just because he's going to accrue a lot of them. That's the path that Danny Lee took to the President's Cup last year. He right. played 36 times. The PGA Tour just played every single week. Yeah. So you have a point there. I, I stay corrected. For a guy who has very little facial expressions, he's fun to watch, isn't he? Because he's just so low-key, it's, it's almost comical to watch him make away his way around the golf course. Yeah, uh, apparently Duffner currently eighth in the Ryder Cup's point list after this win, so that goes to your point that he, he's got a head start. One guy that, I'm telling you, this is going to happen, Kevin Na, T3, red hot continuing, the, he's up to 12th on the points list. I'm going to be banging this drum for the next six months that about you the fact see that... Kevin that no, 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 not that I, I want to see him, but I am so upset that those points in the fall didn't count. Playoff loss at the Fries, tie for second at Shriners, and a third-place finish in Malaysia got him the same amount of Ryder Cup points as you and I got at eating breakfast this morning. Now, and that is ridiculous. Those fields were better than they have been in years past. They were solid. I put them on a par with what you had this week in Palm Springs. And he's gonna he's a guy that's going to be up there. He's up to 20th in the world. He's going to keep playing really well. He's going to be a bubble guy. And I think that the lack of points for those events will cost Kevin Na a spot in the Ryder Cup. Look, I, I do think it is ridiculous that they didn't change the points. I do think that's going to change after the 2016 Ryder Cup here. So it's only this, this group that's really getting... I think so, yeah. I think, I think they're going to see how, how ridiculous this is. But Davis Love is a smart guy. If it's a tiebreaker between some of these guys, he's going to look at a couple top five finishes that he may have had in the fall weighing against perhaps a guy who's, who's red hop really hasn't done anything the rest of the year. I think Davis Love is going to factor in the fall, even if you're not exactly getting points for it. Yeah. So how upset were you? Were you busting things in Jay's office? No, not quite. Off? We're not there yet. Once we get to about August, then he's... I see Kevin and I in a Ryder Cup oh, setting. I'm telling you, it would be, it would be a secret be weapon. Fascinating. If you put him against Ian Poulter in a singles match, I think that could be an American secret weapon. Like a, a, a physical confrontation might break out. Yeah. I think we could all root for that. I, I just, I think it would be, and I just think that he's going to, there are so many guys up there, that if you're talking about guys from, on that bubble from 8 to 15, you've still got Kucher and Haas and Kepka and Reed and J.B. Holmes. There's a lot of good players that still have to get in the groove for 2016. But I think that Nah is going to stay right around that bubble, you know, 10 to 15, something like that. And it's, unless he wins an event, which he could, but unless he wins an event, I think he's going to be just on the outside. Kevin Nah. Pick, pick who's going to be on the team. Kevin Na, Jason Duffner, or Justin Thomas? Justin Thomas I would, I, is almost a lock for me. Is almost a lock, yes, even though he did not get points for his no, victory. No, because I think, a, a, I am bullish on his 2016 season. B, I think that he is the quintessential fresh blood pick that even if he's not going to make it, I could see DL3 reaching into his bag and saying, well, bring we'll, the kid. We'll have to look to see if that would be the youngest Ryder Cup team ever. If he... I mean, it'd be close. You go back to 2010 when Fowler made it at about Isn't 12 years old. Isn't that probably a good thing, though? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah what, I mean, yeah. It's plan A is not working. Let's go to plan they B. They don't have any scars. That might be a good thing. You give me uh, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas, and some sort of, some sort of rotation there. Love it. I'll take my chances. Love it. But, uh, but we will see. Uh, all right, so let's shift gears here. This week is the first event of the LPGA season, Randy. I know you are as excited as we are. We're going to the Bahamas. Probably more, so look at this one. Yeah, no. Uh, going to the Bahamas for the pure silk. So uh, for those of us like, like Lavender and I who are not as 
in with the LPGA crowd as you are. Give us some thoughts on the 2016 season, some players to watch this week, and some storylines at the Bahamas. Yeah, it, uh, Pierce Oak is uh, leading off where last year Coates did, but they flip-flopped it. So uh, that created a choice for Lydia Ko as the world number one because she's immediately after Coates, she's going overseas to defend titles at the New Zealand Women's Open and the Australian Women's Open, and she didn't want to play four in a row. She's, so she is not, the world number one is not going to play this week at the Pure Silk Bahamas. And, uh, part of that and the choice between Coates and Pierce Silk and talking to David Ledbetter, her coach, was just that, you know, the winds are so, can be so severe at the Bahamas, uh, just a little more comfortable at Coates, but it was more a scheduling thing, too, and not wanting to play four in a row with an overseas trip, uh, four weeks in a row with an overseas trip that included two defending titles. So, Aren't, aren't all the top players that facing that dilemma, though? Um, well, yeah, what do you mean, as far as... Playing but they're not all defending titles, uh, and they're not all playing. They're not New all going to play. Right? Uh, no, New Zealand is not an LPGA yeah. event. It's a, just a European women's event that she's, you know, obviously it's in New Zealand, her homeland, so she's going to go there. And so that factors into the difficulty in scheduling early. But it's still a strong field in Pure Silk. Number two, Inby Park. Number three, Stacey Lewis. Number four, Lexi Thompson. Michelle Weezer, Paula Kramer. Uh, um, Say Young Kim, the defending champion, Ho Ju Kim. It's it's a really strong field. So a good good start for the year. Yeah. Michelle Wee got sick there and very early in the year, and her whole year just kind of went down from there. So I think everyone's looking to see how Michelle starts her year. And I want to talk a little bit more about Lydia Ko. The Golf Digest just came out with that top earners of 2015. She barely cracked the list with with a couple million dollars, and I know we're just throwing <laughs> just out, a like, couple. Oh, just a couple million, but compared to Jordan Spieth, who's on top of the men's game with 52 million, what does Lydia Ko have to do to gain some more marketability in the, in the marketplace and really become that next transcendent star in, in not just women's golf, but women's sports? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's a theme in women's golf, you know, it's just it, the money's hard to come by. They don't have as many endorsements. There as many equipment deals. It's just an issue. But, yeah, it seems like in the women's game, Michelle Wee is still the, the needle mover in that sport. And it's, you know, it, maybe there is still this sexist factor. It's a combination. If you can have a, a, a real, uh, a real um, cover girl type player who leads the tour, um, you know, then maybe some of the with a, some with of a the dynamic personality, a dynamic game. Is that what but you she mean? has? Yeah, and she has the personality. If uh, her fans love her, she's she's just kind and sweet, and uh, just a really good person and a great player. Um, to be able to handle everything that she handles at her age, and uh, she's got a little bit of that Jordan and Rory and very, being very personable. Uh, thing I love about Lydia is for a number one player in the world sometimes you, you're talking to somebody who's in high demand and you, you, you get them for a few minutes and it's like they're not even looking at you it's like they're looking right through you Lydia looks at you she really looks at you in the eye and she's talking to you I hope she never loses that but how you know I don't know what the magic formula is for that maybe if she wins all of the majors <laughs> maybe it takes she could. something like she could. that she could yeah She's the game. So we've got Lydia and NB kind of the race at the top. It's been dominating the LPGA headlines for the better part of a year. But now, is this the, the year that the Americans step to the front? We see Stacey Lewis, Paula Creamer, Michelle Wee, Christy Kerr. Are, Allison are we, Lee, maybe. Allison Lee, perhaps. Are, is this the year that the Americans start to win some more majors and get back to the top spots in the world ranking? Um, you know, I've written a lot about uh, the swoon of the American women. And then they actually made a little run 
a couple of years ago, uh, won a fair number of events, and uh, and did well last year. And the year that uh, you had the year that Stacy and Michelle, we, uh, Brittany, Lindsay, the, the women have won their share of majors, but the the South Korean field is just so deep and so strong. They are the powerhouse in in all of golf. They're the force in golf is South Korean women, and the Americans. Um, it's, it's the Koreans and the Americans are just at number two yeah. to answer your question. Brandon, give me, give me a breakout player for 2006. I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but everyone knows about Lydia and NB and Brooke Henderson Lee last and year. Lexi. And Brooke Henderson last year would qualify certainly as a, as a breakout player. Is there somebody who's on your radar you think could make some noise this year? Um, you know, Jarena Peller, the fact, I think this could be a breakout year for her. The confidence gained in the Solheim Cup. Yeah, I remember Julie Engster when Michelle Wee was a captain's pick by Beth Daniel at Richarvis Farms, and Michelle at the time wasn't playing that well. Um, she was picked by Beth Daniel. She had a fabulous um, um, Solheim Cup, and I remember Julie Engster saying, this experience, she will win before the year's out, and she was right. Um, uh, Michelle Wee uh, won or the next year, I think she said, but Michelle Wee won broke through and won. I think Jarena Peller could be in that similar position. She has a lot of talent, and I don't think Jarena really knows how good she is at making that clutch putt. That was the, that was the yeah, putt that was of the year in 2015. It was. If she doesn't make it, it wasn't the putt that clinched it and won it, but if she doesn't make it, it's over right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the entire that. narrative of the Solheim Cup changes yeah. then. Yeah. I think that's a player good. You mentioned Allison Lee. I think she could be you know next uh, great American player with Lexi Thompson, who's already there. Breakout player. Say Young Kim, you wouldn't say she should be a breakout player, but I think she could go to another level and challenge for number one. Say Young Kim is the real deal. She is a power player that knows how to win, and she could she could challenge NB and Lydia and Stacy for the top spot. You got any uh, winning prediction for this week in, in the Bahamas for the Pure Silk? Uh, Say Young is defending her title. She plays really well in windy conditions. She won in windy conditions at the Lotte Championship. Um, I think she'll be formidable and, and tough to beat. Lab, give me a winner in San Diego. Ooh, uh, I have Bill Haas in my one and done league. That's a, uh, a chalk pick. That's strong. Yeah. He's got a sneaky good record there. I think, yeah, I think Bill Haas is. At least, if he doesn't win, he's at least going to be up there. I'm going to go with Bill Haas. Like a top ten last week, right? Defending in sure. in Palm Springs. Of course he did. Yeah. Uh, do the Broncos have any chance, gentlemen? They're currently catching four and a half out in the desert. If they injure Cam Newton. On that's the first mean. drive of the game, that's I mean. think they really have a chance. Otherwise, it could be a blowout. defense, I think he. They're being underestimated. That is an awesome Broncos defense. The Broncos defense is being underestimated. It's <laughs> well, the top unit in the NFL. Well, then defense why? why titles, right? Exactly. So why are everyone saying the Broncos don't have a chance if they're not being underestimated? Tom Brady almost beat them, and he's basically playing with a JV roster of, of wideouts. I'm just glad that Cam Newton joins the illustrious company of Rex Grossman as former University of Florida quarterbacks, making an appearance as starting quarterbacks (laughs) in the Super Bowl. He's doing Gainesville proud. Uh, A couple detours along the way, but that's all right. He's still still a gator in mind. Uh, All right, well, any other closing thoughts before we, we hit the road here? I've got nothing. It should be a great week in San Diego. The weather's going to be 68 and sunny. I hope you boys... Enjoy the uh, PGA show. And the Load up on the fish tacos. Brigantine's fish tacos. I always tacos. do. Yeah, I always do. You gonna take your Ricky shoes? I always do. Randy. Those, you gotta take them off when TSA pre-check. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to peel those peel those joggers off if I do wear them. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you again, Ryan Labner, Randall Mel, for joining us this week for Monday Scramble. We'll be back at it next week to recap the action at the Bahamas, to recap the action at the Farmers Insurance Open, and everything from the PGA Merchandise Show. So once again, I'm Will Gray. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.